Thank you for choosing to listen to our sermon podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here at First Covenant Church of Anchorage. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to stop by or send an email to office at anchoragefirstcovenant.com. God bless. Hello. I was on my way walking up here. I was like, man, something's missing. And I... um, as a retired baseball player and now softball player, I was like, man, just need a good walk-up song, you know? Like, as you're going to preach, just say something, you know, just, you know, like, have, like, Rocky in the background, I have the tiger, you know? I have the tiger. Yes. That's my nerves, guys. That's my nerves. Um, first time, first time preaching here today, so welcome, good morning, church. Um, I'm Alex Chakos. I'm the director of youth ministry here at uh, First Cub. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> um, yes, I'm the director of uh, youth ministry here at First Covenant, and I get the privilege to share God's word with you this morning. So I uh, was seeing everybody trickle in, um, and at first I was like, wow, you know, it's, it's 10 o'clock, and there's like 10 people here. Everybody caught wind that I was preaching, and and then more and more people started to trickle in, and, and you'd think that, like, calmed the nerves, right? But it didn't <laughs> very much amplified them. But, yes, welcome. Refined in Fire um, is our, term, our sermon title today. Um, when Chris told me that I was preaching on this Sunday, I'm not going to lie, I was pretty nervous. Still am. Uh, this is definitely out of my comfort zone. My comfort zone is usually... Um, standing in front of youth, uh, this time I'm standing in front of you all, just staring back at me, waiting, like I'm about to give a spiel about a timeshare or presentation for some Cutco knives. (laughs) My brother did that as a side job, low key, but yes, um, what I'm used to is getting interrupted during my talks, um, about when the next cheese night's going to be. Or people constantly moving around, getting snacks, or even getting a laser pointer in my eye. You know who you are. <laughs> but after consulting Chris um, about what my message was going to be, I rested in the simple thing he said. To use this time as a time for our church to get to know me. Choose a favorite passage, speak on that. And instantly, uh, I knew exactly what I wanted to speak on. Then, in true sermon fashion, as I was typing it up last night, I completely switched the scripture reference. So, (laughs) as you can see up here, James is not Daniel 3. Um, But, and to Matt's surprise as well this morning, um, as all worship leaders appreciate uh, a good, quick, audible and change, everything should line up just fine. Um, So what I have for you today is kind of a two-part reference. Uh, The first comes from the book of James, and the second comes from Romans. So here's the word of the Lord. James 1, 1 through 4. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. 
Second is Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace, in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glorify in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not push us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. I have seen these passages come into my life time and time again, kind of like family members that pay in a timely but unexpected visit, good or bad, take your pick. And it's not always when I want it to show up. But in the end, it turns, it turns into a good thing for me to experience. To help our experience today, I'm going to walk through a process that I find very relatable, but also a beautiful illustration of who God is and who we are to Him. And that's the process of making pottery. If you know this process, then you can be a good neighbor and help the person next to you. There are seven stages in this process. Stage one, design. Two, molding the clay. Stage three, drying the clay, also known as greenware. Stage four, trimming the clay. Stage five, the big scary uh, bisque firing in the kiln. And stage six is glaze, and then stage seven is glaze firing. And then I have a surprise last stage. Um, for you all. So, stage one, design. There's so many different ideas of pottery, from delicate porcelain jewelry, to dishware, to heavy sculpture work. It honestly just depends on the personality of the potter and what inspires them. For us, we are fortunate to know our creator, and, he's, and his purpose of creating us is one of love and craftsmanship. We know that everything our master has laid his finger on has been made good. We are good. And we can rest in this. And the passage from Psalm says, Psalm 139, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in that secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast in the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake, I am still with you. God has a design. It's already laid out. And he knows exactly each step. Stage two, molding the clay. This is where the potter gets down and dirty with his work. Working the clay up close, kneading, folding, rolling, pushing out all the air bubbles, and getting it centered on the pedestal to be spun. Are you seeing the pattern here? We are the clay and God is the potter. 
The trick is, though, is us allowing God to mold us. Surrendering ourselves to the will of God, our potter, is our first step in this whole process. God already has the design, the blueprints, the curriculum, the lesson plan, the travel route, the financial plan, the family design, the career plan, the collegiate degree focus, the blueprints on raising a teenager, being an empty nester, a grandparent, brother, sister, mother. Have I missed any? I'm sure I have. When I was at North Park University doing my undergrad, I got the chance to actually play baseball on their college team. But it was, that was a walk-on. I was 23 at the time. Although I was out of the sport for nearly four to five years, I was able to impress the coach enough to allow me a spot on the team. Then came the big decision. Was that what I wanted to do? Was that why I was really there at the college? I'll tell you the thought of practicing and playing ball again really excited me. It brought me back to all the years I was playing growing up, 15 years in total. But joining the team was going to be like having a full-time job and going to school. At least that's what they said. It would have me sacrifice being involved in the ministries I wanted to be part of just to ride the bench for some time and maybe get some playing time. After some long conversations with some mentors and the head coach himself, I decided to close that chapter of my life and decide to not join the team. What I began to realize is I had longed to play, not because I was aiming to go pro or to the next level, because I just I passed that stage, but because I was struggling with identity and trying to find fulfillment in something that was in my past and that I wasn't ready to let go of. Ultimately, the reason I wanted to play was for myself. After deciding to not join the team, things started to make sense. And I began to feel this overwhelming sense of peace over my decision and over my life. I was trusting that God had me there at that college for a reason, even though I couldn't see the full picture yet. On to stage three, greenware. Here, the, the clay needs to sit out on a shelf, sometimes for hours or days or even weeks. It needs to be fully dry before being put into the kiln. You can, even, you can also continue to work on it if you choose, but these times the clay is very delicate and fragile, so you need to be very careful because it's at its most fragile state. I know I've felt like this many times in my life, especially that of which even at North Park. And at times I've cried out to God thinking he's abandoned me or he's left me, he's left me only to see him, only really to see him come in at just the right moment and move mountains. Maybe you feel that there is really a dry and monotonous season where it feels like only not growing or getting deeper um, in your walk and relationship with Christ. Um, and I've reflected and sometimes these parts of my life is mainly because I failed uh, to play my part in the waiting. By allowing myself to be soaked in the disciplines of my faith. And other times I've found that God has finished the molding in my life and needs to let things set 
while also tending to other things that I can't see off in the distance. Stage four, trimming and smoothing. Um, as the green wear stage is taking place and after the desired amount of drying has happened, the potter be can, can begin to trim its art to give it the desired look they de that they want. For soothing out edges and lightly wiping over with a damp sponge to help soften and smooth the edges uh, and curves of the pottery. So when you put it in the kiln and it comes out, the edges don't have that sharp edge and are dangerous to the touch. Similarly to the greenware stage, this can probably feel very unpleasant if we think about it. And we think about what it looks like in our own lives. Similar to gardening, a gardener has to trim an already healthy plant just so that it can grow back even stronger. It's interesting to think about that in our own lives. I can partly imagine being the plant, yelping when being snipped, or even better, an ent from the Lord of the Rings in the Middle Earth, uh, belting out a howl, fighting orcs. <laughs> but as a human, I find this process very uncomfortable. And if you think that's uncomfortable, especially my joke. Next is stage five. The bisque firing in the kiln. Just when you think life can't become any more difficult or discomforting, the heat gets turned up. The world as you see it goes up in flames. Don't go to the next slide for me. Keep going. There it is. Boom. That's your kiln. In this part of the process, the bisque kiln is turned up to 1000 degrees Fahrenheit. The water that remains in the clay is now dried up and the structure of the clay is not altered, but rather solidified. This process can take about 10 hours to complete the cycle. In dog years, that's about three days. <laughs> it's a long time. And then another two days or so in human days to cool down. This part is so crucial because it makes the pottery solid so that further decor and add decoration and other features that the potter wants to add to their work um, can be made unique and beautiful in its own way. If this is skipped, then the pottery can start to return to its clay like the state that it once began and would not withstand any wear and tear and it would eventually fall apart. After the kiln cools and the pottery can come out, the potter can start the sixth stage of the process, the glaze. This is when the potter gets to detail their work with beautiful colors and glazes, personalizing every single piece that they create, creating their signature, if you will. I'm not gonna get into all the different ways to doing this, because really the possibilities are endless, um, depends on the artists, and the art is always in the eye of the beholder. You can see this begins to make me understand, um, I see uh, this begins to make me understand one simple truth that we just read before, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made 
by the Almighty God. That I was created for a purpose. That you were created for a purpose. We can often lose sight of this purpose, though. If we're not careful enough, when life starts throwing us curveballs in our direction, when the things we planned and strived for don't work out, we can start to question our capabilities, our trust in people, and ultimately in God. I just heard recently from a friend of mine um, a saying that she came across from rather a less likely source, um, but nonetheless it was true. And the saying was, God wrecked my plans before my plans wrecked me. God is in control. He knows everything that is going to take place. And just like back in stage two, the molding of the clay, we too have to surrender control over to God. Mind you, up until this point, if the clay did not get molded well enough and had too many air bubbles in it, or it didn't sit on the shelf during the greenware stage and was thrown into the kiln too early, then the pottery would crack, would fall apart, and you would have to start over again. This is why it is key that you do not rush the process. Sound familiar? We can often ruin the things God is already doing with us, for us, and through us, because we can't take it anymore, and we want to seize back control. Gospel of John states that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but the Lord has come so that we may have life and have it to the fullest. We need to trust the process, and we need to trust God's process. Stage 7. Glaze firing. Similar, I don't have a picture of this because it's pretty much just right back in the kiln, thousand degrees or more. But this glaze firing, and it's similar to stage five, the bisque, like I said, um, this is where the clay goes back in for the last time, sometimes even more. Um, but it's to solidify the decoration of the art. So that, so, so that it'll never return to that clay sometimes even for millennia. We continue to dig some up at different archaeological sites now as a proven point. And on the seventh day, God rested and said it was good. I say that because, you know, it's stage seven, and there seems to be some kind of biblical truth around seven. I don't know if you realize that, but... And there's seven stages to pottery. Crazy, right? Amen. To me, this is the part where we come to when we accept the true identity of ourselves. In this stage, in glaze firing, the identity of ourselves is the children of our Father in Heaven. When we can look at every trial with joy, knowing wholeheartedly that I am in the hands of the Father, the Master Potter, Allowing myself to experience perseverance that produces character and that produces hope that ultimately comes from God. But I also know that this can be a very challenging experience for some. And rightly so. 
I'm talking about those who have had unspeakable experiences or traumatic losses or any unfortunate experience that can really leave a person asking why. Why did or do I have to experience this? I cannot relate to most experiences, but I can relate to some. In my findings, I have found that my Father in Heaven wept with me in my agony and held me in my grief and was even there when it was time to heal. He was with me through the entire experience. This actually takes me back <laughs> to my original plan for this message. Um, and the passage was Daniel 3 in the account of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, being thrown into the fiery furnace, how symbolic, um, for not bowing down to the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had made. If you recall the VeggieTales series, as I do, it's probably the only one I remember, the chocolate bunny, the bunny, the bunny, oh, the bunny. Then you know the story. You know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were, were commanded to bow down to this statue. And they chose to have courage and resist that temptation. Um, because the temptation was, if you don't bow down, then you'll be thrown into the furnace. And they still held their faith through that trial. And in this story, God did not deliver Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the furnace, but rather saved them in it. And to his amazement, King Nebuchadnezzar saw that they were unharmed, and the effect of this actually was that the king began to trust in God. And then you see by the end of chapter 4 in Daniel, you see King Nebuchadnezzar proclaiming and exalting the glory of the high king in heaven. Amen. So if you were to tell me that my trials may not just be for me, but to show the glory of God through me so that others can be set free and know the love of Christ, I can find joy in that. Now, if you're in this room or online and you feel like you were once a beautiful piece of pottery and have been broken and no longer valuable or feel like you have crossed the line just too many times and there's no way that you hold any purpose or value in your life. If that is you or you feel something similar to what I described, this next part is for you and this is the bonus stage. This is what I call the redemption stage. There's this practice in Japan, it's called Kintsugi. In this practice, it's a traditional art practice that takes broken pottery and repairs it. And it repairs it by mending the areas of breakage with a material called Urishi lacquer, uh, which is a protein mixture that contains, that can contain um, depending on the, um, the metal that you choose, can either contain powdered gold, silver, or platinum. In this practice, the pottery is not seen as a waste or invaluable. But rather, with mending and healing, the pottery becomes something new entirely. 
Isn't that good news, church? Because that is the same message that Jesus Christ came to tell us. That his experience on the cross is one of redemption. His rising from the grave is one of redemption. That there is no one that is without value and no one without purpose. I think this is amazing. If I could afford something like that, I'd probably sit in my house as a daily reminder, but maybe I'll just break some pottery myself anyway and do it. <laughs> that sounds like more fun. Church, let us rest knowing that God is in control, that the process is, is God's and we are in his hands. Let us pray. Oh God, we are in your hands. Our lives are the work of your hand. My life and everyone's life in here, as we are praying, we are the work of your hands, your craftsmanship. So mold us, shape us, Make us into who you want us to be, and however you will, God. Give us the courage to face our trials with joy, knowing that you are in control, and then ultimately, you, you have the blueprints. I once heard that if you can't, if the light hasn't come yet, um, then I'm messing this saying up because I'm nervous. Um, if you can't see the end of the tunnel, um, then the process isn't over yet. But I just, I take joy and I take um, gratitude in knowing that, God, you are with me. You are with us in our trials, in our tribulations. So much so that you want healing from those trials and to give us understanding so lord i pray over us here in this congregation and online lord um, and i pray over those who are facing trials that are not here today i lift them up to you i lift all of us up to you so that we can know you and love you um, I pray this in your heavenly name amen Thank church. May you be blessed.